0: This uh, psalm, Psalm 139, um, I, I always read this psalm and still, I think, will continue to read this psalm as a psalm of, of real comfort. Um, it speaks about a God who knows me. It's a very personal psalm. And it talks about that no, no matter where I find myself, that God is there. It's one of the places, one of the few places in the Bible that that talks about even if I go down to the depths of Sheol, you are there with me. And uh, Sheol is one of those uh, concepts that we uh, have trouble translating. Um, It sometimes gets translated as the realm of the dead, or it sometimes even gets translated as hell. Um, So, you know, imagine. Uh, this idea that even if I go down to hell, God can somehow get there too and be there with you. Um, It's pretty amazing to think about uh, that God will go anywhere for you, for me. That God will be there and provide comfort and provision. Yet there's something else that's in this psalm than the idea of comfort. And that is the idea of pursuit. That you can read this psalm as, no matter where I go, I can't get away from you, God. And I've tried. If we look at... uh, That that little section where it talks about these places that I go, starting at verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, sounds actually like it's a choice. You are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me. There's this pursuit that that God is after us, that we can't escape God. Now, that can be comfort, that God's there, but it can also be, well, I'm actually trying to get away from God. You think about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and after they'd sinned, what did they do? They hid, tried to get away from God, and God was in the garden calling them. It didn't take God long to find them. In fact, the opening of this psalm can be even read as a a challenge to God as well. I always read it as comfort. Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. Isn't that wonderful that God is always there and knows these things about me? But you can also read it as, God, you know me. You know I'm faithful. You know I'm never going to run from you. I'll never run because I know that you'll just come after me. We actually need to read this psalm in a slightly different context than most of us are used to. We tend to not feel this pursuit of God, at least not most of the time. I think we'll read this psalm as comfort because we like a life of comfort. And we like a God who will comfort us, and he will, but there's more to this psalm. We need to read this slightly differently to learn something new from this text. It's quite possible that this psalm was written by someone who was undergoing some kind of persecution for their faith. We don't know that. We may think we do in Canada or North America, but we're not even close when you consider what believers, followers of Jesus, go through in certain parts of the world. We don't make life and death choices about our faith, at least not in the same way that certain believers in Syria have to make a life and death choice, that they are faced with choices of either renouncing their faith or death. We don't get that in Canada. We worry about a little bit of social ridicule, maybe, and even then, most people are actually pretty patient about our faith. In the context of persecution, um, we didn't read it out, but if you look down at verse 19 through 24, uh, that kind of gives you that context. I mean, that starts off with, God, kill the wicked. I mean, there's people against me, and I hate them. And isn't that right to hate them? I'm so righteous because I hate them. That, that's what that part of the psalm is about. We, we don't like reading that part of the psalm in church, because we, we, we're uncomfortable with that being in the Bible. But when you think about somebody who is facing persecution for their faith at that kind of level, you can understand that sentiment. It also makes you read the rest of the psalm in a slightly different way, doesn't it? Because now the person who's undergoing persecution is saying, Lord, you know me. I am standing firm in my faith. I've been tempted to not do that, but you know what? You are after me everywhere I go. Every time I try and turn away from you, you're there. Where can I get away from you? You're there. I mean, when you're undergoing persecution, you either just give up your faith or you stand even firmer in your faith, don't you? But we don't have those kinds of choices. When you're undergoing persecution, a decision must be made. And I think we've got to learn from, from this context from, that's different from our own, this context of standing firm in the face of persecution, standing firm in our faith. We need to learn from this because our choices generally in Canadian culture and society are not about, well, are you going to stand for your faith or are you going to face death? Our choices are about, you know, what color should my new car be? Oh, should I subscribe to Netflix? People are you know saying that's good. Like those are the things that occupy our time and our thought or you know are the jets going to win tonight? This kind of decision or question is generally just not even on our radar. So what we need to do as people who uh, want to? I mean, even, want to follow Jesus? We need to put this question on our radar. We have to be intentional about choosing Jesus, because no one is going to come up to us in Canada and force us to make the choice. We've got all kinds of other choices we're worrying about, so we have to intentionally put that choice before ourselves. And I think that's what we can learn from this kind of song. See, we don't feel God's pursuit because there there aren't other external circumstances bringing that up for us, are there? Some people in our country will feel God's pursuit, and often it's at times of crisis. Let's not wait for times of crisis to acknowledge that God is after us and, and there and wanting a relationship with us. That God's, God's pursuit of us is in some way part of God's character. Um, Jesus tells, uh, well, two stories, probably more stories, but I'm going to read you two of them um, from Luke chapter 15 that illustrate this character of God. So Luke chapter 15, if you want to flip there, it's page 67, but it's the second page 67 later in the book. So second half of the book, New Testament, page 67. And chapter 15, uh, starting at verse 3. So this is Jesus talking. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he's found it, He lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Last week, we talked a little bit about repentance, about it being this turning and about how we know that it's not entirely dependent on us to turn back toward God, but it's also the Holy Spirit in us and working in us that does that turning, or prompts us to do it. And that's in this text as well, isn't it? Because what is the, sh- the sheep's not doing any turning back. It's the shepherd who goes out and grabs the sheep and brings the sheep back, and then we all have a big party about repentance. Well, the sheep didn't do anything. The shepherd went and got them. And that's exactly what God does. God pursues us. God goes after us. God rescues us and brings us back into the fold. And then the second story continues. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I've found the the coin that I lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Again, the coin didn't do it. The woman went and found it. I think, personally, it's a bit strange to have a party for finding a coin. But but God wants to celebrate when he finds us. We might think it's it's a great thing to celebrate when somebody else has this amazing story of transformation, but I wouldn't want that for me. For God, it doesn't matter if it's, a, if it's just a coin or one out of a hundred sheep or you with maybe not the, 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 the huge story. God wants to celebrate when he comes and finds you and brings you back to himself. And he's the one who's active. He's the one pursuing you. I mean, fantastic stories. I mean, even the incarnation itself, even Jesus... God coming in the form of his son, Jesus, to earth. I mean, that's about God pursuing us, isn't it? God could have just stood far off and kept sending some prophets and saying, get your act together, people. But no. He came to us and walked among us. It's unbelievable the lengths to which God will go for us. He'll die on the cross for us. God's pursuit of us is part of who God is. Now, Psalm 39, it is a psalm of comfort. So I'm not trying to tell you, don't—you know, you should read it and be comforted by it, absolutely. But it kind of bounces between these two ideas. There's this idea of getting away from God and that God does not let that happen. So if you've tried to turn away or you find yourself away from God, God will come after you. And then what tends to follow that in the psalm is, is the praise for God's provision. Right? So I kind of stopped there a little bit, but, but when you think about that verse 7 through, uh, through 10, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. Like I can't escape you. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, I can't get away from you. But but what follows in verse 10 is even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. I mean, there's this pursuit, but once God has has gotten me, it's this praise for his provision and his comfort and what he does for us, his goodness. It's a remarkable psalm. So what ought we to do with, uh, with any of this, really? Um, if God is after us, maybe there's really nothing for us to do then. We can just wait, and you know, God will show up and do his thing, you know, just like the sheep or the coin. We can just be off, and uh, God will come find us and bring us back whenever God's ready, I suppose. I think, though, we need to do a little more than that. If you look at the very, very last uh, phrase that we read out, so that's in verse 18... Um, this little phrase of I come to the end and I'm still with you. I want you to imagine today, imagine that as the goal. It's not that you're simply waiting for God to show up and bring you back or have you with him, but, but imagine that you could, at the end of your life, Say, I come to the end and I'm still with you. If that is the goal, then what do you need to do or pray today to be able to say that on your last day? And I'd like to suggest that if you're not sure what to do, or to pray, and maybe even if you are sure, that you look in this psalm, because this psalm is a prayer to God, and there might be something in it. I would, I would guess there is something in it, because it's such a, a fantastic psalm that covers such a, a depth of, uh, and breadth of, uh, of what God is up to Take the psalm and read it over. And find your prayer or your action in that psalm. Most likely your prayer. And so uh, the way I'm going to get you to do this, this is why I gave you the the little pieces of paper. Okay. So read again over Psalm 139 and, um, and find one little phrase, one verse whatever it is, and write it on your card and take that card with you. Do what you want with it. Put it in your wallet. Put it on your fridge. Take it to work and put it in the drawer that you open up every morning. Whatever it is, if it can be in front of you, find something that speaks to you that sort of leads you toward that, that verse 18 of I come to the end, I am still with you. So as you're looking over the psalm, I'm going to just read a little bit of the psalm to you. You may want to choose something like, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. Or you know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. You may want to pray... Even before a word is on my tongue, you know it. You may want to pray, you hem me in. You're behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. You may want to pray something in verse 7 through 10, which we've read a couple of times. Or if you feel like you're walking in a time of darkness, you may want to pray verse 11 and 12. Or even just verse 12, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is of light to you. If you struggle with kind of yourself feeling like uh, terrible about yourself, look at verse 14. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. Notice that you are included in that. God made you. Verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. God made you. There's all kinds of things that you would want to pray in this song. So find something, write it down. You're not showing this to anybody else. You're just taking it with you. Because for me, I believe that one of the biggest things that we need to do as believers in Jesus Christ is to make sure that we are, in fact, praying each day. Because when we're in prayer with God and when we're in the scriptures, we are reminded of the truth that God is there, that God is pursuing us, that God is after us, and wants to have this loving relationship with us. We need to stay in those so that at the end we can confidently say, I come to the end and I am still with you. Let's pray.